Hello, and welcome to 73 and Sunny, the podcast about the journey of getting things just right. We talk to tech, sales, and marketing leaders about how they're growing, dialing in best practices, and getting closer to that sweet spot. With us today is a very special guest, the master of puns, purveyor of fist bumps, captain of the Verse ship, CEO and co-founder of Verse.ai, David Tao. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Big, big fan of the show. <laughs> Thanks. One of our many, our many fans. You are looking fantastic today. You look great. Thank you. You're uh, yeah. a great eyesight. <laughs> the camera's far away, I should say. It's it's a little blurry too, so maybe a lot of contributing factors there. Well, I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of insights for the for the world of AI and and also for the for the world of conversion. And I'd really like to just dive into how you started Verse. Give me a little background on who you are, or where you came from, and and what got you in, into this. Sure. Um, so I. Uh... You know, actually, when I, I went to UCLA for for electrical engineering originally, um, and throughout a course of of events, uh, switched to economics. Ended up in real estate, um, looking to um, looking to get into development, and uh, the housing market crashed in kind of '08, and uh, and I was kind of stuck with my real estate license and and not a lot to do in in developing new new real estate. And, um, and so I became a, an agent, a real estate agent, and, and started to grow my own practice. Uh, eventually, um, hired a, a, I became a broker and I hired agents that worked for me, and I wanted to grow my business. And so I started investing in lead sources like Zillow and Realtor.com and Homes.com and driving uh, you know, Google traffic to my website, et cetera, to generate leads, home buyer and seller leads. And I would hand those leads off to uh, my real estate agents. And I very quickly realized and found out that they didn't do a very good job of following up with every one of those leads that I was you know, spending money to generate for them. Um, and I would find out that they would maybe call them one time and then kind of give up or move on to the next lead. They would uh, leave a voicemail. They would send an email maybe. My good ones would. Uh, no one was really texting. And I realized very, very quickly that that there was a real kind of gap in how um, how how businesses and and kind of any any one man business even would go about customer engagement and engaging their own prospects and nurturing them and following up with them. Um, and so I started studying a, a bit more on that and kind of what was needed. And I found that it took six to eight attempts to get a hold of the majority of prospects, but most of my agents were only making one attempt, maybe two. Um, and, and quickly realized that there was probably a better way, you know, there's gotta be a better way, you know? Um, and, and I thought, well, if we can help automate some of this out, um, we could, we could create a, a far better experience. Um, and, and so we, we, we decided to, you know, I joined forces with my brother Avi, uh, who had just graduated at the time from, uh, from university as well. And, and he, he had a, a tech background a marketing background, and we decided to tackle this for first firsthand. And so we created a platform that helped uh, realtors uh, follow, follow up with their prospects and really automate that process and leverage the power of SMS in particular to do so. Because, you know, most people were, um, you know, just making phone calls uh, or sending emails. And those were important channels. But every year they were losing efficacy and, and value. 
today, kind of fast forward to today, and only 13% of phone calls are, are answered. Only 22% of emails are ever opened. Um, but 98% of text messages are not just opened, but read and, and, and within a few minutes, within three minutes. And so it's the most powerful engagement communication channel. And so we brought that to, to the forefront of our engagement strategy and created a platform where, uh, where agents, originally just real estate agents, how we started, could connect their lead sources and we would automatically initiate follow-up sequences over text to engage, qualify uh, those home buyer and seller prospects and book appointments and showings and, um, and such for, for them. So those were the beginning days, uh, you know, when we were working uh, with, you know, more SMBs. Yeah. And, and so all, in all transparency, uh, I've known uh, David for almost seven years, six and a half years, something like that. I've been working with Verse in, in several of its iterations. So I, I know I know about the history, um, but I I, th- I thought it was fascinating uh, being a part of a, a business that was so, you know, San Diego has always been a big, San Diego tech has been a big part of your your passion, kind of building out, you know, a, a, a team downtown and really kind of trying to put San Diego on the map for being a, for being a, a tech, you know, a, a tech haven. And I also remember when we all left the office and went home in 2020 uh, on March 6th or whatever it was. I, um, I, I remember it because I was going to a conference on, on like, you know, right when the news was starting to hit and I was headed up and I was driving to San Clemente and, my wife said, are you sure you should go? And this is like right when all the news was coming out. And I was like, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think so. Every- everything, this is, it's probably overhyped or whatever. And I go, you know what? I think I'm going to stop at the dollar store and just grab some hand sanitizer. Just so when I go to this conference, I'll be able to kind of, I'll be able to, I'll be able to feel, you know, somewhat, somewhat safe. And I, I went into the, the dollar store and it looked like apocalypse, like the, the shelves were empty and all the hand sanitizer was completely gone and toilet paper was gone. And uh, I found like this tiny little one on a shelf. And I was like, this might actually be something. This might actually be something. And by the time I got back two days later, there was a, you know, there was, you know, a scare. Somebody, a relative of somebody had, had gotten COVID and uh, we were going to evacuate the offices. So uh, I remember being a part of it. But I, I wanted to ask, what, what was it like in that transition, kind of moving from office to home, now San Diego? being, you know, as a, as a tech center, still being important, but now having a distributed workforce across the country, what, what was it like to run a company during COVID and the transition back from, from, from the office to, to the home? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, like, like so many that went through that transition, it was scary in its own way. Um, very, very uncertain times. Our business was kind of grinding to a halt for the kind of couple of months right after, you know, Tom Hanks and, and kind of all the dominoes and, you know, kind of falling and everyone freaking especially out. Especially Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks ruined it for everybody. Um, and um, some would say he was an outcast. Um, but uh, he, um, and, and he was cast away. But, um, and, and um, you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen. You know, our, our business was slowing down. I mean, first and foremost, we were like concerned for the health of our employees and, 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 and our own families, of course. And at the same time, trying to juggle, what are we going to do? I mean, no one is 
taking sales calls right now. Everyone's trying to figure out what they're going to do with their own businesses. Um, and so there was kind of twofold, right? Not just like operationally, but, uh, you know, from the business dynamic, like what's going to happen. And so um, we, we took the route of, of being more conservative and saying, let's assume this is going to last longer than we think. And uh, let's leave the office. Um, and so we were one of the first to, to leave the office um, and, and go home. And, and, and look, we had such an incredible culture in person um, that it was, you know, as you know, and remember, you know, the water cooler talk, the, you know, all the fun stuff we had at the office. Um, and, you know, I, I loved going around saying hi to one, you know, 100% of the team every morning um, and uh, going to lunch with you guys. And it was really important to us that as we kind of all scattered home, that we somehow figured out a way to keep that tight knit, tight knit culture um, and, and remain close uh, as, as much as we could. So I think that was, that was top of mind. You know, how, how do we keep that culture? Because we knew if we could keep that, you know, a, a strong tree with strong roots can weather any storm. The, the, you know, a few leaves may fall off during a big, uh, you know, windy storm, but the, the tree will, will stand through it if, it if its roots are strong and it'll regrow those branches and leaves. And so it was and that's why to- every single morning you drive to everyone's house and fist bump everyone in the company still to this day. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I, I drive to 22 States now, <laughs> yes. um, but I always make it home for dinner because that's important yep. to me and my family. Um, so yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was definitely an interesting time uh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, moving from, having to have managing in person uh to managing work from home uh how do you feel like versus done what what are some some of the lessons that you've learned do do you ever consider coming back or being partly back in office the main difference i found was not having to wear pants um <laughs> just kidding i'm wearing them yeah. um or am i speak for so, yourself well i mean um it's such a difference, right? I mean, I'm seeing people on a one inch square, you know, on Zoom or, or um, you know, hopefully not Google Teams, but, um, you know, I hope I'm not offending any Google Team employees here. Um, not Google Team, uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, but um, that was that was a big change. I and but but one of the benefits that really came of it all and and, and look, I'm I'm a massive San Diego advocate, San Diego tech advocate. I have a shirt that's like, hey, let's put San Diego on the map, right? And um, and if I have a shirt, it's really important. That's what it um, is. So, um, so, you know, part of the ecosystem here, um, you know, there's a culture into, its, into itself in that regard. Um, but... Uh, I mean, one one of the benefits of 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 going remote was we were now able to start hiring people everywhere. It didn't actually matter that they were just in San Diego. And and by the way, there's incredible talent in San Diego, but there's incredible talent everywhere. And and this allowed us to tap into different markets and different um, d- different people that were perfect for different kinds of roles, whether they were in San Diego or not. And we've hired people in San Diego, and we've hired people in now you know I think I think we're in twenty something states. And so um, that's been wonderful. At the same time, that's going to make it harder to ever kind of, you know, uh, 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 you know, bring it all back together. And so I think we're committed as a company now to 
being a remote first company, making that work. And, and as you know, we have a lot of um, uh, a kind of cultural elements and events that, that keep us close together. You're a, a trivia master. Uh, you know, we do, we do trivia, we do all sorts of games, we do, you know, uh, uh, costume contests and pizza nights and, and all that kind of stuff. We do all hands. And at the same time, where I used to lead all hands in person and it was, you know, a powwow, we've had to kind of really translate that to, you know, a, a presentation format on Zoom, essentially. And um, that's made me rethink what we share, how much we share. And I think now we actually share more than ever before because it's sort of compensating for not having that energy in person where people kind of understand you, you talk more to everybody all the time. And so in turn, we, we've decided to be even more transparent uh, as we've been apart to kind of hopefully uh, bind us all as much together as we can. I think that's really interesting because you're talking about trust and, per, you know, in, in person, you're able to establish those, there's body language, there's just an inherent trust in being on, on a mission with someone else that you don't get necessarily through zoom interactions but you might you know so so it, being more um being more transparent about where we are as a company you, you kind of have to do a little bit more to to keep the trust built and i think that that's a really interesting point you're you also went through you know verse has gone through some challenges and moving from uh s from smb from from where you started with smaller businesses and moving upstream and when I say gone through some challenges, like any transition, you've you've had a lot of success in moving from SMB to upstream and to enterprise level. Uh, what, what lessons did you learn from when you moved from an SMB focused business to an, an enterprise focused business? Yeah, so great question. I mean, we we knew we wanted to move upstream for all sorts of reasons. Um, we wanted to have you know as big of an impact as we could, and so you know instead of you know trying to work with one realtor at a time, we said, why don't we try to work with the platforms that send them all their business, right? And we could do, you know, smart from a business decision, but smart from an impact uh, perspective. And so we knew we wanted to move upstream and out to multiple industries. Um, we learned a lot on the way. Um, you know, I had never sold to mid-market or enterprise or public companies before. Um, and, you know, we were, we were used to selling kind of Man, man to man, you know, woman to woman, and 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 just sort of, um, um, you know, selling to the owner essentially, right? And if you think about signing up a real estate agent, that real estate agent is a one man or woman business, right? And they make the decisions on kind of everything, and um, that's a very different type of sell than when you're selling into a marketing team at a mass or massive organization. Uh, it's a different set of it's a different persona you're really speaking to. Um, and so we had to learn how to adapt um, and how to, how to point out the different value propositions that were important to different personas, whether it be a head of sales that we're, uh, that we're trying to sell into to help them um, you know, see value in how we help their sales team run more efficiently and effectively and spend their time more wisely on, on warm opportunities or how we you know, speak to a persona in marketing uh, where we're trying to say, hey, you're generating all these leads and sales isn't responding to them quickly enough or often enough. Or what do they do at night or weekends? You know, we can help you turn these MQLs into SQLs at a higher clip 
um, and and you can yield more uh, of your marketing dollars and, and therefore spend more and, and spend it wisely, or where we're selling to a, a kind of customer engagement operational um, yeah, a person who's in charge of kind of the whole customer experience. Uh, and we're trying to prove our value and, and how we actually are, are lifting, uh, lifting the experience throughout. Um, and so that was a big change and, and sort of part of maturing. And then of course, from a legal perspective, very different, you know, working with much bigger organizations or, or billion dollar public companies with big legal and privacy teams and check boxes, it, it kind of forced us to um, get smarter, get wiser, get more compliant um, and make sure that we were above and beyond their expectations so that whenever we had those opportunities come across, we were ready to go. We were you know, ready to um, have that signed off and we weren't learning on the go anymore, which we did in the beginning. Um, you know, and, and lastly, I, I think it's important that, that we had to build a system for enterprise grade, enterprise grade compliance, SMS in its own, uh, on its own has a, has a world of regulation layered on top of it, compliance from the carriers, from the providers, from, you know, federal regulations. And it's something we've had to stay on top of and now have, you know, a team around care, you know, care relations. Um, and it's something that we've had to stay on top of because, you know, a, a, a realtor may have 50 or 100 or 500 people we need to talk to on their behalf or text on their behalf a month. A big public company may have 100,000 or more uh, or millions. And we need to have a system that can handle that scale and that could handle, um, you know, having having proper reliability with the delivery of all those millions of messages a month. And so it really forces to grow up technologically, uh, com compliance and, and kind of from a legal perspective. And as a sales organization, really, you know, mature how how we're presenting and, and pitching and, and, and even how we're finding the right people um, at each of those organizations. It's very different than, hey, I found Bob Jones, realtor Bob Jones. I found him. He's on every first sell sign. <laughs> I, I know his info. Yeah. Uh, well, how do, how do you get the info of the right person at a company with a thousand people or 5,000 people? How do you find the right person you need to actually talk to there? That's a much steeper hill that takes more research um, and, and maturity of a team to know how to navigate a bigger organization. Yeah. And even focusing on the pain points of an SMB versus at the enterprise level, an SMB pain point might be quite simply we're, we're feeling overwhelmed. We're not able to get to leads in a certain amount of time. And so we feel like this system could be better versus the enterprise where they're saying, if we can reduce you know, labor costs by 10% and increase overall engagement you know, by, by 5%, you know, the overall revenue increase is going to be amazing. And so all the, the pain points that you're looking for really uh, become more honed in as you move into the enterprise. And actually, there there might be one point pain point that you can solve that that makes a significant difference to their business, versus the SMB where they might they might just be looking for help from from drowning. They're look, just looking for a life ring. So, you're, uh, it, it's interesting that you point that out. That everything obviously becomes more complex. The number of stakeholders increases, but also just in general, the the pain points that they're looking to solve just they change. Right? There's just a lot more variation. And, and to your point, because of their scale, um, it's a much more data-driven conversation and data-driven um, 
results analysis, you know, as opposed to uh, more kind of emotional reaction to how things are going at a small scale. At a big scale, it's um, like you, they're looking at, at statistics and, and, you know, lift percentages. Um, hey, you, you increased uh, uh, conversions by X percent. That results in millions of dollars more. And um, this small lift here trickles down to that much more revenue or savings or time saved. So um, at scale, the, the, the data and the insights um, are really, really meaningful and, and have more impact. And at the end of the day, you know, impact is you know, one of the key words that, that was important to us. So one of the reasons why they the, were able to have versus able to have such a big impact um, is, is the use of AI. So I wanted to jump into the topic of AI. Uh, it's at the end of, a, of the verse uh, business uh, URL. It's a big part of the business. I wanted to get your take on how the, the verse mission, your mission has evolved since OpenAI open launched ChatGPT. You know, on, I'll, I'll reframe the question because uh, I, I know that the way that the rest of the world experienced ChatGPT when it first came out, kind of like everyone was saying, oh my God, we're going to be able to use this for everything. We're going to be able to replace, all, you know, everything's going to get ex like way cheaper, right? Your ability to create content, your ability to write emails, labor costs are going to go down because all these tasks are being automated and they're going to be able, you know, you're going to be able to use, use it for every, you know, anything you're writing in terms of content. And then those businesses are coming into the marketplace and looking for, tools that will incorporate the AI and, and are potentially, you know, surprised at how maybe to the extent that they're not able to use AI, you know, directly in, in the way that they, you know, an email written exclusively, exclusively by AI might, might not be, uh, might not come across with the same brand voice and might not sound like you. And you're still having to do a lot of editing. So I wanted to get your take on, on how the verse mission has evolved since, OpenAI launched ChatGPT. Yeah, well, well, our mission from the beginning has been to help businesses create more authentic and delightful experiences for their customers. That mission has not changed. The, the tools by which we get there and are able to deliver that experience for consumers and businesses has, has changed and will continue to change and evolve. And we've been an AI company for a decade. I mean, we've been uh, tapping into the earliest iterations of AI, working with um, working with you know uh, uh, the Amazon, Google, and 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 Meta AI systems and platforms for many many years. ChatGPT is is just kind of the next iteration of that with generative AI, um, and and now you know you have the same from from other providers as well, Google and others, um, and many others that are coming out. And so to us, it's another tool in the tool belt of how we do that. Uh, you know, notice our mission isn't to help every business text, right? Our mission is to help businesses create the most authentic engagement and experiences for their, for their customers. Right. Um, and we use text, texting, because we believe that we can combine the best technology out there, which today is AI and automation, with the best most effective and impactful communication channels led by SMS. And we do email as well and, and some other channels. Uh, we're omni-channel, but we're heavy on SMS as a result because it's effective. If tomorrow that changes, we'll change. If there's a better way to engage with customers 
that's going to be our mission. Um, and so AI is just going to help us do that better. Um, now, I, I agree. I mean, I think I think the best way to leverage Chat GPT and 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 other platforms like that um, it is today for content creation. I think that's really the primary use case today. I think there's a lot of businesses like ours and others that can leverage it in a much more meaningful, deep, deep way um, to improve what we're already doing. Um, and so, absolutely, it's improving what we're doing. It's making our conversations even more authentic. Um, it's enabling us to provide unique experiences. Um, that 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 we're now building that weren't uh, as easily available to create before. Um, so it's a net positive for us, and I think anyone else in the space um, to to be able to leverage that as we were able to leverage other technology in the past. But our the way I look at what what we're really doing is how do we leverage AI and put it into practical business and engagement practices? Our our focus is help, helping businesses connect with their customers. How do we leverage? you know, AI to create authentic conversation, but what are the channels that we're powering to make that possible and to, to enable businesses to leverage, like to be able to leverage SMS at scale um, right. with high deliverability and compliance and be able to deliver that experience and to stay on top of not just what is here today, but what will continue to come out and evolve, you know, tomorrow. And every month and a half, there's a new GPT three point something, four point, four point something, right? It's going to keep evolving. I don't know if businesses want to um, stay on top of that themselves. They haven't done that with email or phone systems, right? They, they rely on marketing automation platforms that stay on top of that. And I think the same for SMS and other communication channels. They're going to rely on platforms like Verse and others that can help them achieve that and stay on top of, of that technology platform and foundation. Yeah, that's a great point in that being focused on the mission. The mission is not how do we incorporate AI into our business. It's the mission should remain the same with a subheading of how, you know, how do we get there? And if we can, if we can use AI to get there, all the power to us and probably a better product, but st staying true to the roadmap of the vision of it's not, it's not about, it's not about making AI the focus. It's about how do we use it? Right. Absolutely. And, and but I do think that, it's an interesting time right now because every every boardroom around the country is asking their founders, how are we going to leverage AI? Um, and even if they don't fully understand it, they know it's powerful and can save them money. And, and right now, every company is asking themselves, how can we use AI to save money or automate things that we would normally have to hire more staff for um, or to do things better and more authentically? And so um, services like Verse and others are are solutions that are that are leveraging those technologies in powerful ways with real applications for those businesses to be able to leverage and say this is a perfect way to do that right and with our own business metrics our customers see t time saved money saved and money made right this is we, we tap into the full spectrum of a business impact that we have on every customer to show them those metrics precisely whether it was ai driving it or automation or regular machine learning or anything else. Uh, ultimately, I think what's important to them is the results, not even yeah. the how, but the results. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to segue because as a part of the, of the SMS portion of how leads, uh, you know, how, how verse helps, uh, customers connect, with, uh, uh, businesses connect with their customers via SMS. Part of that process is, 
getting consent from consumers to reach out because as maybe the audience may or may not know it's uh it's a complicated world out there for texting customers there the there's a there are rules regarding TCPA compliance where businesses have to get consent and ri- uh, express written consent and opt in from their customers before they're able to send texts uh, and that's all regulated by the FCC and something kind of big happened last week the FCC uh, staff circulated a proposed rule that would close the lead generator loophole um, and what is the lead generator loophole I can go into it a little bit essentially, uh, there are a lot of businesses out there online who are uh, aggregators or where people, consumers can go to, let's say, compare like four or five different, you know, loan rates or uh, quotes for services. Let's say a roof where they can look at, you know, five different roofers after they go through a, a, a brief question, questionnaire. And there's a, a loophole right now where if you click that you give consent or you confirm consent, at the end of that form, there's a little blue link that that if you follow it, the terms and conditions, the one that nobody ever reads, there might be a list of like 10,000 other businesses that the uh, the website that you've just submitted your information on that they can that they can share your information and your data with. And uh, that, that's been targeted by the FCC as being something that's negative for consumers. Really, they're, they're looking at trying to stop robocalls. They want to have consumers less bombarded by trying to get information on one product when and that that company is sharing your data with with a thousand others. And so really briefly, what the FCC said is we now make it unequivocally clear that texters and callers must obtain a consumer's prior express written consent from a single seller at a time on the comparison shopping websites that are often the source of lead generation, thus closing the lead generator loophole. Requiring one-to-one consent will end the current practice of consumers receiving robocalls and robotexts from tens or hundreds of sellers, numbers that most reasonable consumers would not expect to receive. So essentially what they're saying is the ability for websites to now get your consent one time and sell your data to lots of different companies is going to end. And you're only going to be able, these businesses or these lead generators are only going to be able to generate one to one, meaning you're going to opt in for a specific company to get outreach from them and not to all of the partners that they uh, that they work with as well. So, David, what do you make of this proposed rule change, assuming that it does go into effect? I think they vote on December 13th, but it's expected to go through and get implemented next year. What do you make of, of this proposed rule change? Well, I think, it, I think it's really positive for the consumer experience. I don't think any consumer wants to be filling out a form thinking they're, they're going to get information from one company and, and their information be kind of shared and co-registered, sold to dozens totally. others. Um, totally. And all of a sudden they're getting calls and texts from numbers they don't know and people they didn't expect. So I, I think it's a really positive, um, p- positive change that, that should pass. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to certainly get rid of a lot of spam. And, and look, we want to protect uh, the communication channels that are the most effective. And texting is a super effective communication channel. But if it gets abused by fraud and spammers, it'll lose impact. And so um, I think this is super positive. It's going to get rid of so much of that and allow it to become a much more you know, clear channel where, where consumers who fill out a form and say, I want to be contacted by text, um, can receive a text from that company and not have to worry about other information being sold and, and passed out to many others. 
And by the way, when there's more trust from the consumers, they're going to fill out more forms. Uh, right now, uh, so many people don't fill out forms. There's there's always a hesitation. Uh, what am I about to What am I about to do? I know the moment I fill this out, I'm going to get bombarded. Right. Um, the moment, and it's going to take a while, but but when there's more trust there, I think it's going to create a, a much brighter future for for the customer engagement landscape. So I fully support that move. Yeah, and I think another. I, I totally agree. And I think another side effect might be that if you're you're picking at the end, let's say you get to the end of a, of a funnel where you you've indicated that you're interested in a certain thing. If you're, if you're picking who you want to hear from, I think one, one of the benefits is that they're going to be expecting something from you right then. And so rather than having four text messages appear and maybe not knowing, not, not even recognizing the names of some of them that there, there might be a, a, a feeling of, I'm just going to ignore it completely. I'm going to ignore all of them because I didn't want any of this. And maybe I'll look into it on a, you know, maybe I'll go to another website and look into it somewhere else. And maybe I'll make the phone call rather than getting bombarded. So now that people are going to be specifically saying, I want to hear from so-and-so mortgage company, or I want to hear from this, this solar company, that they'll be more receptive to response. I mean, even, you know, the engagement rates for, for, for businesses that are just calling um, or even sending kind of automated text messages, like they're lucky to get over 40 or 50% response rates. So that means half the people who just filled out forms are are, are being unresponsive, which is, should be unacceptable. I, I'm wondering if this rule change is going to change that. I agree. I, I mean, and and I think, you know, one of the problems with, with phone calls, and obviously phone calls are important, but one of the problems with phone calls when you just fill out a form is you don't know who it is. And they're calling you at whatever time is convenient to them, not to you, uh, which could be that minute or it could be an hour later or it could be the next day. It's when they're ready, not when you're ready as a consumer. And I think what's so powerful about text and why we've really um, taken the route of being you know, a text first customer engagement company is immediately when you get a text right after filling out a form, you can say, hey, this is Alex with blank blank company you just inquired about. Happy to connect with you or get you in touch with the right person or set up that appointment or, or send you that information or get you that quote. Let me ask you a couple of quick questions. And you can get right into a conversation and say, by the way, do you prefer a call? Happy to call you whenever it's convenient. Um, or, hey, when is a good time for a call? We need, we need to hop on a call to, to help you. So, you know, what, what's the best time to call? Well, the best time to call is text. It's text. Text first, because now they know who it is, what it's about. And they can tell you when is convenient for them for that phone call. And the moment that uh, companies recognize that it's about connecting with consumers on their time and on their communication uh, channel of preference and on their terms, that, that is when the entire journey just improves immediately. Not when you're trying to guess when they're going to pick up the phone. And even if they pick it up, they're like, oh, I thought it was someone else. I got the kids with me or I can't answer right now. I'm hopping into another meeting call me later. And that was just wasted time, wasted effort, maybe wasted opportunity entirely. Um, or you're calling them 50 times until they pick up and they finally pick up and they say, you got me, but buzz off and never call me again. Buzz like off how dare right. you call me 80 times. It's right. absurd, right? Yeah. As opposed to one text that says everything they need to know and allows them to respond on their time in terms of you can sell them a little follow-up reminder, but that experience is much more effective and less uh, and, and, and much more frictionless uh, than the alternatives today.
Well, you know, building on that, it also makes it so much more important as the business who is the exclusive owner of this person who's just given consent that the outreach be, you know, sensitive and consumer driven and other, you know, because it's not going to any competitors now, you, you, you really have to get in touch with them quickly because there's no, there's no law against them going back again to that website, filling out another form, getting connected with someone else. So, uh, and con making first contact and, and doing it in a way that's consumer driven is more important than ever. Uh, this is the segment of our podcast, David, that we call If I Were You, where you give advice to the head of sales or business leaders on something they should be doing. So address the audience. Start with If I Were You. All right. Well, um, I'll speak to I'll speak to really anyone. This could be a founder. It could be a head of sales. It could be a head of success. It could be a head of marketing. Um, if I Were You... I would spend a lot of time experiencing your own service or products experience yourself. Uh, we've been guilty of this ourselves, and I know a lot of others who, who do the same. They're so focused on the business and growing and sales and operations and fundraising that they kind of forget to experience their own product themselves. And you know, the moment we had our engineers and other 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 people at the organization start to experience Verse as a consumer themselves, all the light bulbs went off, ideas, uh, uh, I could fix that, I could make this way better, I'm going to save us money doing this, um, how about if we added this feature, we could do this, this is another use case. I mean, the ideas start to flow, and uh, it's not something that we always did in, in such a kind of proactive way. But it's something that I've really um, started to encourage our team uh, for a while now to, to do more of, to, to be our own, our own customer. Um, because when you do, you're going to see the full spectrum. And it's so easy sometimes. Uh, and by the way, you could be running a sandwich shop. It doesn't have to be a tech company. You're focused on being on this side of the, of the bar, making sandwiches and heating the bread and, and cutting the bread and slicing the turkey and, and et cetera. Uh, and making sure the fridges are, are set right. And that's all super important. But guess who doesn't care about any of that? The customer on the other side who just wants to come in, make sure it's a clean and welcoming environment, that they're greeted in a friendly way, that their sandwich comes out right and that it's served warm and wrapped correctly and that their you know, billing experience is easy and that they have a nice table to sit at. Uh, if you're too focused being behind the bar the entire time, you're going to miss a lot of the other side. That's actually what's driving the business and the, and the repeat business. And sometimes all the details in the background and the minutiae, you realize are, although they're important, they may not be as important as the other side of the experience. So my advice is be your own customer and experience it. Walk into your own restaurant and order a sandwich. And, and you know, take that as a metaphor for any product or service you sell. Yeah, I'm hungry. Uh, so with that, uh, thank you so much for joining us, David. And thank you for your leadership at first and all, all the years of, of leadership and friendship. Uh, be sure to follow David Tall and Verse.ai on LinkedIn and, and through the, the blog on their website for top-notch content and conversational AI and things conversion. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate everything you do for us as well. Thank you.